Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yes, good afternoon. Welcome to Phoenix Nation. It's three past three. Thanks to Oppo, of course, as always. And uh, Oppo are bringing us a bunch of interviews today. Stephen Ugarkovic from the Wellington Phoenix men's team. Uh, he's going to join us from the airport as they get ready to fly over to Melbourne to take on the Melbourne Victory on Friday night. We'll also talk to Paul Temple, who is the Academy Director for the Wellington Phoenix and, as of yesterday, the New Zealand men's under-23 coach for the two games against China coming up in March. Those games are going to be curtain raisers for the All Whites games against China as well. So uh, the road to Paris and the Olympics is well underway and uh, under the guidance for a start at least of Paul Temple, who will join us a little bit later on in the show, but we've gone big. We've gone big to start the show. We've got the big dog, the big boss man, the general manager of the Wellington Phoenix, David Dome with us. Uh, g'day, Domey. How's things, mate? Yeah, kia ora, Ricardo. Yeah, good, mate. Very good. That's a story now. I know you've gone full dog on VAR and on the uh, on the officials yeah. in, the, in the A-League. That came out this week. Have you had any joy from your conversations with them? No. Short answer is No. Uh, disappointing in that we got we finally got a response to our queries to Nathan McGill, who's head of referees in Football Australia. Um, and essentially, I'm going to put it wrap it up into a nutshell. Essentially, they agreed that the VAR should not have been uh, got involved for the upgrade of the yellow to a red for Tim Payne, but then said there is nothing more they can do about it once it's gone to MRP, which is a match review panel. There is no there is no change in that decision. So very very disappointing. We tried a legal angle through a, a lawyer in in Australia that we were hopeful could find something in the contract between the clubs and Football Australia which would allow a right of appeal to the player, because we believe that the employer this in this case the guy the the, the body that you know um, manages the regulations being Football Australia has essentially said, look, Tim, you can't play this weekend, even though the reason you cannot play is wrong. Um, and we everyone admits that it's wrong, you still cannot play. We thought that was a legal challenge was available there, but there is nothing in the contract which would allow what they call natural justice. So extremely disappointed for Tim, extremely disappointed for the club. Um, but we go into the game against Melbourne Victory on Friday night with no Tim Payne at centre-back. Yeah, no Tim Payne, no, no Scott Wooten either. So, I mean, it couldn't have happened at a worse position, really, could it? And I think that was part of it, was that we're very disappointed in that we've been handicapped once again by the officiating, who has done a magnificent job of, of um, um, ruling against the Wellington Phoenix. Because the other one, of course, that we, we queried was the Mickey Robertson goal, that the women who were down to 10 players... Mm miraculously fought back to, to draw with Brisbane Raw away and could have won it at the death for a goal which they are saying are offside. Um, and we're querying that and we don't think it was offside. So, yeah, and coming back to the men's game, very disappointed with a number of centre-backs out. Well, now I'll start with, you know, probably, and I don't know, I haven't seen the team lineup. I don't even know if Oofy's decided on his team lineup. But, you know, you've probably got, you know, a Finn Sermon and, and, and a Lawsy-Josh Laws combination there, which is which will do... A magnificent job. Those guys are full of fight and determination and heart, um, but lacking in experience. 
Yeah, and I guess the other thing is, if one of them pulls a hammy, then where do you go? I mean, how much depth have you really got on the bench at centre-back? Not, not a lot. We've probably got some players. I think you saw Roos fill in there last weekend in Palmerston. He dropped back into the back line. Um, and I think they were looking at taking over young Isaac Hughes, who is a very, very good centre-back in our academy, and they were looking at, at him. Um, I haven't caught up with um, the football ops guys to see whether that happened yet, but they were certainly an option they were looking at, just in case, as you say, one of those players goes down with an injury. Mm. Uh, and, of course, the, the uh, Clayton Lewis's injury doesn't help you either, does it? Uh, especially if you're going to get Rufer to go back and play centre-back because uh, then it just leaves you really Ugarkovic and Pennington as your recognised midfielders to, to play those six roles. Absolutely. And that, that's, you know, they're good, very, very good players, but it does, it, it is stretching us. There is no doubt, like you get to the start, the stage of the season when you're over, just over halfway, when injuries still do start to take toll and to a certain extent suspensions. But what is disappointing is when the suspension shouldn't have happened, mm. it, it just taxes you even further. And this is, you know, this is the argument we had with, um, in, in the game that um, Pennington was sent off is if you're going to send off a player, you have to be very, very certain that that was a, 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 sending, a sending off. And saying with, um, sorry, Bojita Krayoff, we got the second yellow. Yeah. Um, you know, that was the case that we made the officials at that time. And we said, look, yeah, you know, you've you given him a, a yellow the first time and the second one was a bit innocuous. You know, are you absolutely sure that's worth a yellow and then a red? And they agreed. Then at that time, again, they agreed that it was, that potentially those, those two yellows should not have been awarded. But it, you, you, there's no recourse. Mm. Even though they admit they got it wrong, there is no recourse once it happens. Yeah, I mean, because the other one was, and I think you touched on it there, was, was Pennington as well. I mean, uh, when he got sent off, I didn't think he'd actually done much wrong. I, I couldn't understand why it wasn't just Max Burgess that got sent, because Pennington was effectively just kind of trying to keep him at arm's length and defend himself. Yeah, and that's our, that was our point, exactly. And again, we're at the... You know, it's a call that the refs are making and, and we feel like as a club we've been on the receiving end of a number of very poor decisions. You go way back to the first game of the season when Jan Sars was sent off when he yeah. slipped. Um, you know, it's extremely disappointing, but there is such a limited and, and we've taken it on board now. Well, we're gonna it's a, as a club, we're gonna agitate for uh, an amendment to those regulations so there isn't a right of appeal before it goes to the MRP. Because the MRP can't rule on whether uh, a red card stands or is rescinded. All it can do is re, um, rule on what is put in front of them, which is that incident at that time. And as you saw with Tim Payne's one, he got the minimum sanction, which was one game. So you, you, you can't appeal that because you can't go from one to zero because they can't. that would essentially be rescinding the red card and they, and they can't do that. Um, so yeah, the, the regulations um, don't make sense. They're nonsensical, and so now we have to we have to agitate to get them changed to have some concept of you know uh, of fair play in the whole process. How does that that work at uh, at, at board level for the A League? Yeah, so well, at, the, at the moment the regulations start with uh, the regulations are owned by Football Australia. So currently the officials are managed by Football Australia. What we want to do is bring them across to APL so that they come under our auspices and not the Football Australia's. But in the interim, what we've got to do now is um, agitate with um, APL. And I've spoken to Danny Townsend a number of times and Gregor Rourke a number of times the last couple of days, and they're supportive of us and helping us get make, get these changes made. Well, I say us, it should actually be the APL getting these changes made. So now we've just got to push that through. 
Um, and then they have to now approach the uh, Football Australia to get those changes made. Mm, interesting. All right. Uh, now, um, I also wanted to ask you a couple of other things, uh, David. Obviously, we've just had the, the transfer window shut in Europe. Um, is that something that you guys were looking at at all? Were you, were you looking at adding anybody, uh, given you know, you've know you had a couple of injuries and, and of course, uh, you lost Ben Wayne uh, to, to Plymouth for, for, for a decent chunk of change as well? Yeah, I mean, we've got a couple more days to go in our window. We we were looking at a couple of options, especially, as you say, because we've now become a bit light in, in, in defence. Um, one option didn't come off. Um, it's not to say we've given up, but, you know, I think we're pretty cautious at this time of year. Um, we still have budgets that we have to work to, and, and it's been tight for us this year financially. Um, so, look. If the right, I mean, Ufi and Sean Gill, you know, director of football, they're always looking at options and always looking at you know, where is, is their value out there. Uh, we never really stop looking. Um, and like you say, the windows come open and and, and they, we can make inquiries. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying we, we're going to sign anyone in the window. I'm not saying we're not going to sign in the window, but I think it's probably odds on that it's unlikely we'll sign anyone now. Um, but you know, it all depends on on where Ufi goes in the next couple of days. I'd suggest. Mm, yeah, all right. And and on Ufi, I mean, obviously we've had a bit of a debacle uh, in the press around the All Whites job, um, and you know he was um, told that they were looking uh, in another direction. Do you know if now that this has blown up, uh, whether or not he would consider it again? I see that uh, there are, there are some reports that he said that ship has sailed. Yeah, so he did. Uh, he did some interviews at the airport before he flew out, um, and as you, as you quite rightly point out, it also blew up this morning with um, uh, New Zealand football's preferred candidate, or what people are saying was the preferred candidate. And of course, Ufi was told by via email earlier in the week that he wasn't um, in the line uh, to be the head coach. So, um, if he's not the preferred candidate and somebody else was, it's a huge. You know, it, it's. I don't know, it's, it's very disingenuous now to go back and come back to Ufi. I think it would be very difficult for him as a coach to now be reapproached. Mm. Um, and I haven't spoken to him uh, since with it all blew up this morning. Um, but, you know, I, I, I can totally understand his sentiment that he feels that if he was going to be the preferred candidate, he would be it. Um, and if he's not and he's second choice, that's not how he would want to be respected as a as a coach. Yeah, I mean, you obviously, um, as an organisation, work reasonably closely with New Zealand football. We've seen that with you know the Paul Temple appointment as well. Um, does this, uh, I guess, jeopardise the future of Ufuk as the coach of the Phoenix at all? Not from our perspective, in terms of us wanting Ufi to stay. Hundred percent, we'd want Ufi to stay. Ufi has stated publicly that he's an ambitious coach and he wants to go to the next level in his career, which we totally support. He's a very talented coach. He deserves to go to the next step. We thought a, a joint role with New Zealand Football would suit Ufi and us, and I thought would be an outstanding. You know, as, as a football fan, I think he would make an outstanding head coach of the All Whites. He knows. You know, half of the players. He knows all the players coming through in the under twenties through our academy structure. He understands the con. He's been in New Zealand now for almost six years. Uh, he understands the culture. He's very heavily involved in our Tikonga Māori program here that we're rolling out. Uh, just and he's a terrific, terrific player manager. Um, I think he do in the way that he's got the Phoenix playing. You know, we're punching well above our weight mm. in terms of A League. You know, I think what he could achieve with the All Whites would be magnificent. But New Zealand football. 
you know, for whatever reason, have gone a different way. They've never really engaged with us. I've reached out to uh, New Zealand Football a few times to try and have the discussions around what a joint role would look like, uh, a dual role would look like, as we had with Ricky. I mean, no doubt that the the, the demands on an all-white head coach are probably more these days than it was with Ricky, but we were totally open for that conversation. But at no time did New Zealand Football reach out and say, look, if, if he was going to be the head coach, this is how we were going to see it play out. Um, so that says to me that perhaps Pupi was, wasn't really um, a serious contender for them. Mm, interesting, interesting. All right, David, and uh, just before I let you go, of course the women didn't have a, have a week off this week uh, with a bye. Um, how happy are you guys uh, at the club with the way that Natalie's taken this job on um, in, the, in the second season? Uh, you recruited well, but you know the, I guess you'd say that the results haven't really been there where maybe you expected them to be? Uh, until recently, yeah. Uh, the last two games have been magnificent. You know, um, you cannot fault. We had a session with um, with Nat after the game, after the the, the last home game, um, and then sorry, the one before Canberra, and then she turned it around. And and she came through that. She was explaining her philosophy. She explained where she believed she'd made mistakes in the lead up to this campaign. She made a lot of sense. And then she rolled out a team that beat Canberra five 0 and played some fantastic football. Then she goes across to Brisbane, goes down to 10 players. Um, and do you know what? Should have won that game. You know, but to get a draw in, the, in that circumstance, I've been 2-0 down. Just fantastic. You know, she's that it's still a very, very young team. There's still work to be done, but she's building a really, really good culture. Uh, she's got, you know, good people around her to help out. She's working very she's talking to Ufi all the time, which is something we wanted to see. It's a good integration across the club. We're really pleased by how it's all playing out. I mean, we scored, what, you know, three goals in seven, and now we've scored eight goals in two games. Mm. That's an improvement. And if you look at the stats in terms of the where the number of points we got halfway through the season compared to last year, uh, the number of goals we scored, do you know what I mean? We're, we're actually, it's, we have improved over the, the, this time last year, we have actually improved, you know, like for like comparison. So, and like I say, we're absolutely gutted for her and the team when the, when the Brisbane War was off. So we're very, very comfortable now with Nat and where she's at with that team. And we look forward to the rest of the season. We still think there's there's a number of wins in the season for her. Um, and like I say, uh, gutted for her that they got robbed by officiating in the, in the last game. Yeah, good to hear you say it, David. Good to hear you say it because uh, so often CEOs, GMs uh, have to feel like they sit on the fence. Uh, I appreciate your honesty, mate. Uh, we're in that hard on your sleeve. Thanks very much for your time today, mate. Really appreciate it. Go well. No, thanks for that, Ricardo. All good. Cheers. Uh, it is 17 past three here on SENZ. This is Phoenix Nations. Thanks to Oppo. When we come back, Steve Yugarkovic joins us from Wellington Airport. This is SENZ. It is Phoenix Nation. Thanks to Oppo. And uh, he used to be a member of the Oppo. Now he is very much in the yellow and black. Talking, of course, about Stephen Yugarkovic, a big part of the Wellington Phoenix midfield this season. G'day, Stephen. How you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Uh, you're at the airport, getting ready to fly to Melbourne to take on uh, the victory. Bit of an old enemy, bit of a bit of a rivalry between the two clubs. Uh, you looking forward to that one? Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, obviously, yeah, checked in. Everyone's had some lunch, so we're just sitting around waiting to to fly over, which would be good. Um, and then, yeah, looking forward to the game tomorrow night at Angus Park. Um, should be exciting. Mate, it should be a good one, and, and one that I think it's important that we uh, pick up three points from, yeah? Uh, I mean, given where they are and uh, trying to keep the heat on Melbourne City above us? Yeah, of course. I think it's a game that we have to look at and, and go to win. Um, not just the, the placings on the table, but just the, the league in general is quite close, so three points every week is um, important at this stage of the season. 
Yeah, very much so, mate. Very much so. Uh, how's the squad looking, mate? And and is Tim Payne going to travel? I know that uh, David Dome is sort of talking to uh, officials about how VAR works and things. Uh, any chance Payne makes an appearance? Uh, I went, I'm not going to be the one that, that says anything on that. I'll I'll, uh, I'll let that be uh, with the higher higher powers. I'm not going to get involved in that and, and, and say anything. So. I'll just keep a straight bat and and leave that one there. <laughs> yes, waiting no, waiting no. Let that one go through to the keeper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good stuff, mate. Hey, uh, interesting. I thought when your you your signing was announced for the Phoenix, um, it it was something that made me sit up and go, "That's a really good signing for the Phoenix." Normally, uh, you know, good Australian players are your pedigree, and you're one you are one of the best Australian midfielders running around in this competition, particularly at your age as well. They don't tend to come to Wellington. They tend to stay over in Aussie and play for the victory or play for Sydney. So what was it that sold you on coming over to Wellington? No, I appreciate those kind words. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a challenge um, on and off the field for me was the, the big thing. Um, obviously, just being married, I wanted to, to also get away for a year as well. Um, but the main factor was uh, coming playing a system that suits my, my play style. Um, it was something that I didn't want to just go and be another number somewhere. I wanted to be important to a team and the club. So that's, that was my idea and, and what I'm pushing for. And, and if we keep winning and, and playing well, it's something that when you do do well and you the underdog seen as the underdog, it's, it's quite encouraging and it's um, exciting as well. What about Ufuk Tale? How did he sell it to you? And, 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 and how has he been for you as a coach? Yeah, he's told me honestly how it is. Um, uh, and it's, the, the playing system and and what he expects from players, which is what I like. Um, and yeah, as a as a manager, he's probably one of the the one of the managers that I've had that's so invested in in the game and and tactically um, very good. It's probably one of the, the systems that I've played in the most and said, "Wow, like I feel comfortable." And everyone knows the job. So coming down to the tactical side of things and and all that, it's he's um he's a very good coach, I'd say. You've got uh, a few different partners in midfield. Um, Clayton Lewis, who's obviously injured at the moment. Alex Rufer, who's back from an injury. And, and Nicholas Pennington as well. Uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting mix, the four of you. How does your game change depending on which one of them you've partnered with? Um, I think within the system, it, it, the way we do play, it sort of limits that, that you have to change your game too much when you're playing with someone else, else if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's it's um, Clay's very good on the ball. Uh, that's his main strength. I feel Alex is very good defensively. That's that's his um, his strength. Nickel's a great all round player, and then I think I'm quite of a, a mobile player. So we all bring in something different um, whenever we're playing and whoever's playing. So I think it's it's a good dynamic. But I think we're all quite smart footballers um, when it comes to understanding the roles and the systems. So I think that's the the main biggest thing that we're all uh, switched on to the, the tactical side of things and we all understand it. So it's like if you're playing with Clayton, for example, do you find that you sit a little bit more and, and free him up and vice versa with if you're playing with Rufa, he sits and you you can play more of an eight role? Yeah, I don't, in a, in a way, yeah, sometimes, but I think it's more two sixes. It's not, if you watch the system um, and, and the games, it's, it's more so the sixes are, are there to, to recover ball and and work hard off the ball behind the scenes, which I quite like doing. And we obviously don't get recognition for that, but it's something that we all do well. Um, so yeah, like I said, once the opportunity does go forward, we all we all try tend to take it <laughs> um, as we do with holding midfielders. So 
yeah, it, things don't change too much due to the system, which is a good thing. And like I said, when other players come in, everyone knows the system and we're quite all switched on in that department. Now, I know that you've got Croatian heritage, Stephen, and I, I watched the, uh, the the World Cup um, intently. Uh, and Marko Brozovic, uh, the way he plays, uh, sorry, Brozanovic, uh, the way he plays, yeah. uh, I think he set a, a World Cup record for the most kilometres ca- uh, covered in a match of 16.7 Ks in a match. Um, he, Your style of play reminds me a lot of him. You get up and down and, and you're all over the place and you've got an engine for days. Is, is he someone that you look to? Yeah, I've played against him um, when I was in Croatia, so that was something I looked back on. And he was coming through, he was a little bit older than me, but I was fresh coming through. And he uh, he went to Inter when I was overseas, so it was a, he was a big transfer there. And he's someone that I've watched for years. Yeah, he's a very hard worker, does the hard stuff, but also he's he's got quality on the ball and defensively he's very good. So yeah, he's he's one person that the all round footballer, um, and I think any midfielder should sort of look towards. Man, that Croatian midfield just runs, doesn't it? I I remember listening to different um, podcasts and different radio shows, people talking that the Croatian midfield, the legs have got to go at some point. Just never went. It was the same from the World Cup before that. Yeah, for, for the amount of people there, they've done well to find three world-class midfielders um, that have played at such a high level for so many years. Yeah. How, how was your time in Croatia, mate? And, and how does that Croatian league uh, compare to the A-League now? Um, I think it's quite technical over there compared to, to here. He's quite physical and, and quite physically demanding playing in the summer, obviously. Um, and then, yeah, I think quite technically they they are a little bit ahead due to they've grown up playing playing um, with the ball at their feet their whole lives, whereas here you've got a range of sports that you play growing up, whereas in Croatia it's just one sport, so you sort of get brought up just playing that one sport and that, that shows in the long run, I feel. You had, you had the opportunity to play for Croatia at under nineteen level. Um, how was that experience for you? Yeah, it was amazing. It was my first taste of international football, um, so that was that's one of the, the my proud moments in my career that I can say I represented um, the the background of my my nationality to play for Croatia. It was special. Um, it was two only two games, but it was two games that I look back on, and I'm sure when I when I do retire one day that I'll be there. One of the proudest moments um, to to be a, a foreigner to go over there and and break the, the under 19s within well, I think it was eight or nine months was very nice and um, rewarding. So it's something as all well my family looks back on proudly. So that was my first little taste of international football, and then obviously had to uh, make the decision um, and I decided to go to play for Australia, um, and that's something I don't look back on as well, and and something I'm very proud of. Yeah, I mean, because there've been a few, haven't there? Been a few Australian-born and raised players that have ended up representing Croatia. Joseph Simic, I think, is one, but I'm pretty sure there's a couple out yep. there. Yeah, there there was a few, but uh, Shimonic, well, yeah, he was the number, the biggest one, obviously, playing, being at Canberra and went over, and I think he ended up playing over 100 games for the national team and one of their best ever players. So, um, yeah, he's involved in the national team, and I know they were in Australia the other. The other week, um, they were just doing a Croatian tour and there was rumours that they're scouting for to try to bring talent over. So there's still a bit of uh, a bad taste in the mouth there, I feel. Uh, um, but yeah, he was the main one that, that was the big uh, the turning point. Yeah, nice, mate. Nice. Where, whereabouts um, in Croatia is your family from, if you don't mind me asking? Um, so mum's from down the coast in Zadar and nice area. And my old man's a bit rougher in, in the mountains in Slun, near Zagreb. So it's about... 
40 minutes from Zagreb, an hour from Zagreb. So yeah, he's uh, from more the rougher area, and Mum's down the coast. Oh right, so he's he's the he's the bad boy made good. Your old man, is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think Mum turned in. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, mate. Nice work. Hey, uh, Stephen, before we let you go, uh, it'd be good to get to know you a little bit better, mate. Uh, so a couple of questions for you. Uh, when yep. you were growing up no as a kid, um, was there a club that you followed that you watched on TV on a Sunday morning? Uh, Arsenal and still do to this day. Big Arsenal fan. So buy the jerseys, get a jersey every year. Um, so, yeah, Arsenal would be be the team for sure. Yeah, why Arsenal? How did that happen? Uh, Thierry Henry, growing up, I think me and the old man used to watch the highlight shows every Monday, um, and then, yeah, he was one that stuck with me, and no, favourite number 14, favourite player, Thierry Henry, and then, yeah, just Arsenal from, since I was little. Oh, nice, man. Nice. Uh, what about the uh, the signing of Jorginho? What do you make of that uh, at the end of the window? Uh, I'm not a massive fan, but I, I can see the, the logic behind it um, and stuff like that, needing a bit of backup in that position, and obviously... They stay where they are, a bit of Champions League next year because the way Chelsea were going, they were missing out on Champions League. So I can see the and a bit of experience is what what they need. But yeah, I think it's more of a an experience signing and, and things like that. So yeah, it's encouraging that they're able to bring these quality of players in as well. Yeah, it was just I think confusing for a few people that they're chasing Caicedo, who's you know a big physical sort of midfielder, and they ended up with Jorginho, yeah. like a whole different profile. Exactly, I can see the way. He would fit into the ball styling style system, so yeah, obviously he's top of the top of the league, and he's and he's there for a reason. So I'm not going to question him. <laughs> Fair enough. Arteta seems to be doing all right. We'll we'll, we'll give him a yeah, pass exactly. at this stage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if if I grab your phone right now, mate, and had a look at your Spotify, what was the last song you played? Last song? I'm not sure actually, because on the way up when we carpool off the training, we actually listen to the radio and do the stuff quiz. So we actually haven't been haven't been doing. Um, much music, but yeah, I think the boys, yeah, we like our stuff quiz in the morning. Um, so that's that's the latest go to in the car when it comes to music. None, really. None, none. All right, okay, no yeah. music. What 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 about TV then? Have you got a favourite show or film? Um, currently watching How to Get Away with Murder on Netflix. Um, Something you're planning? So that's nah, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> not after watching the show, at least, but. No, nah, watching that at the moment, um, but I enjoy my uh, I enjoyed watching The Witcher and that that kind of stuff. So yeah, a bit of a mixed bag, but yeah, at the moment watching that, um, and yeah, just a bit of anything that comes out. But that's my current series. Yeah, nice. And uh, if you've got a if you've got a cheat day, um, you know the Ufi's not uh, looking over your shoulder, and you don't have to turn up to play tomorrow. Uh, what's your cheat? <laughs> what, what's your cheat meal, mate? What's your what's your guilty pleasure food? It only happens once a year if he's listening to this, but it's uh, <laughs> it's probably a, a bit of a fried chicken burger with some chips on the side or a, or a, a nice thick cheeseburger. Oh, mate, that sounds good. That sounds good. i tell you what. State doesn't of, happen often, but only once a year. Yeah, state of my abs, you can tell it happens more <laughs> often than it happens to you, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, before I let you go, mate, last question for you. Who was your hero growing up from a footballing point of view? Footballing point of view? Um uh, hard one actually. Probably looking back on it, loved watching Mark Viduka. Um, obviously playing in the Croatian Heritage, playing with the Socceroos in that golden generation, and probably Luka Modric when I started to get a little bit older, just hearing his story and then the way he came through Dinamo and just went on to be the best midfielder in the world. 
Good stuff, Stephen. Thanks very much for your time, bro. Uh, best of luck over in Melbourne and uh, travel safe, eh? Appreciate it. Thank you for having me.